0: Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 talk radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh.
1: Welcome. I invite you to tune in, turn on, and amp up to higher resonance. Through conscious choices and intentional living. I am Simran Singh, and as creative beings, we each have a special language to uncover. Part of that language comes through our bodies, and my guest today is Dr. Eva Selhub. She is the author of The Love Response, a system that assists us in strengthening the natural ability to heal. Dr. Selhub says that the key to a healthy life free of this debilitating ailments, is to activate the love response. Welcome, Dr. Selhub, to 1111 Talk Radio. It's a pleasure to have you here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I really, really enjoyed your book, and I found that it is a book that really can reach people no matter where they are on their journey or on their path.
2: Exactly, and that's really why the reason I wrote it in the way that I wrote it, um, because I do have patients that come from all different walks of life and are in different places in their lives. It reflects you know, the general population and and sort of addresses everybody in a place where they can acquire the knowledge and then do something with it.
1: What's so powerful is how you are really bridging the allopathic medical aspect to the mind-body health aspect, and the book approaches that in several different ways because it really goes into explaining how the body reacts to certain aspects, particularly fear and stress, and then what we can do about it through mind-body connection to assist us in our other methods of healing.
2: Exactly. I think that we all hear you know, a lot of angles. We hear that stress really damages you, and then on the flip side you hear about positive psychology or meditation and all those wonderful mind-body techniques that have existed for thousands of years that many people have talked about, or spirituality, but the gap really hasn't closed in to really make sense for people to apply it in a very practical way in everyday life. And that was really my intention in writing this book, to be able to give people those tools that are hands-on and useful for everyday life that bring science and spirituality together in one.
1: It's so important, and we're hearing more and more about this. There are definitely a lot more leaders in terms of spirituality, motivation, and empowerment that are coming forward. and I. I really liked the fact that in the beginning of the book, the very first thing, there were a couple of statements. And one of them was, the biggest obstacles to good health are stress and fear. And I think right now with all that's going on in the world, with the economy the way it is, with people focusing on uh, often what we don't have, there are so many additional stresses in, in addition to environmental stresses that are occurring. And it's important for listeners to really hear what stress physiologically is doing to our body. So what exactly happens?
2: Well, you know, you, ha- you can think about a lot being chased by a lion, for instance. If you're being chased by a lion, you're not going to sleep. You're not going to reproduce. You're not going to forage for food. You're not going to lie relaxed. You're going to want to fight like mad or run like heck. You know, your, your, um, your, your immune system is going to be revved up just in case. So everything's on high alert. So the digestive system shuts down. Your metabolic system shuts down your you know you don't sleep you stay alert aroused and hypervigilant your muscles are stay tense your immune system is revved up and hyperinflamed so the in the entire physiology which just means multiple processes are happening in the body at the same time which is basically every system of your body is on waiting to fight like mad or run like heck so it's not it's not a place that's safe you're high alert, and your body cannot be like that all of the time, that it's necessary because if my body didn't do that, I wouldn't know that I had to eat, and I wouldn't know that I had to put something warm on, and I wouldn't know that danger was around, so it's appropriate. It's just not appropriate for long periods or too often, and if it's not shut off, the entire system can break down like any system that's on for too long.
1: Well, and I think also what's interesting is so often there are a lot of people that have lived in this feeling of stress or in this tightness and tension for so long that they really don't even realize it's a, a discomfort.
2: No, and, they don't. And
1: that right. can lead to much greater problems without even realizing it. So, so often some of these symptoms that you've just described, those are then the kind of red flags as maybe there is more going on with my body than just not being able to sleep.
2: That's right. I mean, but by the time a physical problem shows up, that's usually the end of the line you know, other things have been going on already because your body's now lost its resilience and it's starting to break down. You know, it can just only take so much. So by the time you're starting to have migraines or, or stomach problems or neck problems or insomnia, you know, other things have been going on for quite some time and your mind and body is always referring to the past to determine how to act in the present. And if the past is fraught with stress and fear, then that's going to be what it knows. And if your vacation was three years ago, it's hardly going to re- be able to reflect back on that. It was too long ago.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's that's definitely too long to not have a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> um, the book is called The Love Response. But for there to be a love response means there has to be something opposite to that. And you speak about something called the fear response. And where is that stimulated or or what aspect of us gets stimulated by the fear response? Well, put it this
2: way. Stress, by definition, is when the mind or body perceive that you are not enough or do not have enough resources to handle a given situation. It's a natural mechanism that happens in life, like, you know, your blood sugar drops. That's stress. You know, you're missing a resource, which is blood sugar. So there's unconscious and conscious stressors that happen all the time. And most of the time, your unconscious mind and body are able to solve that problem. You know, it alerts you that you're hungry. You go get something to eat. The stress is taken care of. So when you have a stress, there's a stress response that's activated, and that activation is usually put out once the stress is taken care of. If the stress is not taken care of, the mind and body go into fear because they think, well, I'm never going to have enough and I'm never going to be enough. I'm never going to have enough blood sugar. Oh, no. And that becomes fear. And so the fear response is when that same response does not get turned off or goes on too often because there's the fear that I'm helpless and hopeless and I'm never going to have enough or have enough. And that's what leads to the breakdown of that system, To, to health problems, to psychological problems, mental problems, what have you, because that fear response cannot be turned off.
1: Now, according to Abraham Esther and Jerry Hicks, we, we live in a contrasting experience, and that is part of what we need to do to learn and grow uh, in a conscious way. Mm-hmm. And and you say that, that we need this contrasting dynamic of stress and flow to really help us move life forward. So it, it sounds like we're saying the same thing, but you used the word stimulation. So we do need that, in a sense, as a stimulation to help us move forward. But then there becomes a point where we perhaps allow it to be more debilitating than actually a stimulant.
2: Well, I think it's part of being conscious, you know. And I think that's what you know, Esther and Abraham Hicks really are talking about. It's about being conscious and being aware. You know that the sun doesn't always shine and it doesn't always set. You know, there's an up and down to everything in life, and without the up, there isn't the down. So without stress, I would never be motivated to go get something to eat. I would just sit there and I would starve to death because nothing would motivate me into action. So stress is necessary if, if for life. You no know, living organism is without the stress response or stress because that's what motivates us into action. It's discomfort that gets me to to go get something to eat or put something warm on or go help protect my young from being put up um, be, being you know beat up from a bully. So those actions are necessary, it's just that at some point I've got to sit back and say, okay enough, now I can appreciate, now I can appreciate the sunrise. So that there's a balance, and that's why love actually exists as a biological force to counteract that stress. It's there for us to be able to take pleasure in life and to appreciate life and to be in the awe of others and what's beautiful, to mitigate the stress that's in life that will always be there. So it is the duality of contrast of knowing what I, when I feel good and when I don't, knowing when I'm in stress and when I'm in not, and that I'm going to attempt not to be in it for too long because it's just plain not good for me or good for others.
1: So it is it is part of the process to come to that awareness that, number one, that stress and, and fear are existing and this is what it's doing to me, but to also get to a place where you can kind of embrace that maybe part of this is necessary, but now I need to become more conscious and uh, probably respond to myself and my environment and, and how I'm handling things in a different way, and that is where the love would come in.
2: That's right. I mean, we want to know, to, first of all, nothing's good or bad. So there's, you know, it's a non-judgmental path. It's saying I am or I'm not. And that when I am in stress, you know, I'll do so appropriately to motivate me into action. Like, stress motivates me to study for an exam. You know, stress motivates me to accomplish a task and get my deadline met. But the fact that I keep perseverating or I don't sleep because I'm worried about not getting that task done, that's problematic. So it's really about creating awareness and balance about how much I need to use my stress to get me motivated into action and when I need to turn it off to get back into balance. And our inability to control that stress response is based on you know, our early life experiences that we have a core belief that says we're not enough or don't have enough that put us into the fear response with relation to this particular task. So it's really becoming aware of what the underlying beliefs are that are controlling our stress response to begin with that cause us to overreact to particular situations. That's where love comes in.
1: That's where love comes in. Did you experience stress and discomfort uh to to come to this place or is this something that you've watched other people experience and that's how you came to this knowledge to be able to write this book? Where where did the love response come
2: from? <laughs> well I I mean I honestly believe that believe that nobody learns without suffering themselves. You know, I you know who I really wouldn't wish suffering on anyone, but it truly is the 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 path to understanding and um And acceptance, Um, you know, my job as a teacher and a spiritual teacher is the hope of guiding people through the process so they don't have to suffer as much, but it is part of the process and, you know, I've had many experiences where I felt very stressed and very fearful and very abandoned. I've had my experiences with anxiety and depression Um, you know, if not wanting to live, and I write all about that. I'm very open and frank about that. I, I really, you know, feel that, you know, when I talk from my heart and from my own personal experiences that people learn more from that. So this is really written from my heart, you know, from my own experiences, and then, you know, my desire for learning and understanding and looking at the research and applying the research, and and then also, you know, applying what I learned for myself to my patients and what they learned. So it's a combination of all those
1: things. So in your own, and and it does go into the book, a bit of your story and and how uh, the the journey through this path began and, and transformed you into being able to write this book, it allows you to really see that you've put into action what this is about we have Dr. Eva Selhub here with us and she has produced two audio CDs Finding Stillness and Relax Into Love available on Amazon.com or on her website theloveresponse.com we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about the love response
0: Your online community
2: for positive change. Seventh Wave Network.
3: We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network.
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444,
1: Welcome back. We have Dr. Eva Selhub, a passionate, articulate advocate of mind-body medicine, who utilizes her knowledge and gifts as a speaker, teacher, media spokesperson, as well as a clinician treating patients who have triumphed over serious medical conditions and destructive emotional patterns. As the senior physician for the Benson Henry Institute for Mind-Body Medicine at Massachusetts General Hospital, she is the author of The Love Response and has released several CDs, including 10 Minutes to Relax, Experience the Love Response and 10 Minutes to Relax, Living the Love Response, available at theloveresponse.com or at amazon.com. Dr. Zellhub, I'd love to let people know a little bit about your story because I found that so touching in the book. It really allows an individual to know not only the humanness but the commonality with which you write that so many people experience, the fear, the stress, the, the hopelessness, um, the debilitating depression that can come on and affect us and how through a process that you've developed you empowered yourself, you came out of that and built yourself back up. And I'd like them to know a little bit about that.
2: Well, I'm happy to share with you. I, you know, there's been many experiences in my life that I think, I mean, many people have those kind of, you know, those sort of transitional uh, experiences. And this was the big one, which happened in 1996 when I was a resident in Boston City Hospital. And it started with a, a needle stick that it had HIV blood. And which of course was devastating back then because they didn't have a cocktail and you pretty much died if you had HIV. And I was a very proud person who felt shame with, you know, with what had happened. I took it all as blame as my fault and I really didn't want to tell anyone and I had to and I ended up having to take a cocktail of medication that made me severely ill. So aside from worrying that I was going to die, I got very sick, and I felt a lot of shame, and I really, the the biggest problem for me wasn't even that I wasn't going to work or that I was going to die, even though that was devastating, but the burden that I put on my family and that I was going to die single, you know, without children. That was just awful to me. Um, that, That turned out to be okay. You know, I tested negative and what have you, but there were only a couple weeks after stopping to take the medication that other subsequent events happened that just, I never got a chance to breathe there were quite meetings. a few events that happened. Yeah, many I mean, events it's over four and a half month period. Yeah, um, my see, my grandfather died. My dog died. I was being harassed by somebody I didn't know who was writing letters to the medical board. So I had to defend myself against the medical board, which that turned out to be okay. But then my apartment burned down, and then my father had a heart attack within probably about four and a half months. And I just really, I just didn't have the will to live at that point. I, I couldn't smile, and I wanted to take in my life. I felt too guilty that I would hurt other people. <laughs> But um,
1: but I, you, know, that's, you know, that's the thing. That they say that things happen as a pebble, a rock, and a boulder, and that to have the breakthrough, we do have to have the breakdown, and sometimes the universe supports us in having that breakthrough, even though we don't realize that it doesn't feel so good in the process.
2: It doesn't. But how
1: does someone get through all of those things in that short a period of time?
2: Well, and, you know, and that was the thing. I always thought that I was invincible, and I wasn't. And the whole time I kept saying, why me, why me, and the whole paradigm that, you know, that we get punished when we do something bad, you know, the assumption was underneath it all that I was bad. I must be bad to deserve this. Why me, why me? And it took several months um, until one day I was out with a friend for dinner and she said, you know, we miss you. You haven't been the same for, you know, eight, nine months since your natal stick. We really miss you. And something inside me woke up. And I said, you know, I've got really loving friends and a really loving family who have not left my side despite the fact that I've been miserable, you know. And I said, there must be something about me that's good. And something, you know, lit up in me. And I said, you know, all this time I've been the victim saying, why me? But really, why not me? You know, bad things happen all the time. You know, the the nature just as soon lets a forest fire burn as a flower bloom. It's not because either one is good or bad. It just is. And there must be something within me that's worth living for, that's that's worth life. And, you know, that was the first sort of initiation into the love response was the, the love that I received from others that reminded me that I was indeed lovable and that life was worth living. Well, and I'm that was the initial of, step think... that got me to wake up.
1: That's part of what I think the journey is all about for so many people. It, it doesn't matter how much money you have, or even the the accolades sometimes of of, of acquiring, you know, a medical dr- degree, which is so impressive, or being a beautiful woman as you are, or those those very many things that so many people have. There are things that just happen through life, and we experience those things as a way to grow and discover ways to heal and empower. And you've taken what occurred with you and really turned it not only around for you, but you're now impacting so many patients and so many other people through the book in learning how to step out of that type of depression or step out of that place of hopelessness. That's
2: right. I mean, I think that for me I understood that if I don't think I'm enough despite, you know, you know, having being an attractive woman and having an MD and all. If I don't think I'm enough, then who does? You know, that really is what made me go deep into my core beliefs and say, wow, you know, in my core, I don't feel I'm good enough. I don't think I'm loved enough. And if I don't believe this, then I can't even accept it if it's around me. And that's what leads to depression it's the inability to connect not only to others, but to something larger than yourself or spirit or spirituality and to yourself. So it's a complete disconnect. And, it, and, it, and basically that, you know, they describe depression as that state of darkness. you just this darkness kind of looms over you. And it is because you're shut down and shut out. And that's where I was. And it was from this core belief that said, I'm not good enough. I'm not loved enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm somehow bad, which I, I inherently I, I understood that we all somehow feel that way.
1: But, Dr. Eva, it, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to say to oneself, I don't love myself. And, and there may be a lot of people that feel like, like that. Pro- probably we all feel that way at some point. How does one get to the place or the strength to really say, I don't love myself, and now I have to do enough to love myself?
2: Well, I think all of us can look at our own behaviors. And just it's just a very simple question. If I loved myself, would I? You know, if I loved myself, would I put this food in my mouth? You know, in my body? If I loved myself, would I put this, you know, drink in my, would I drink so much coffee? It's like taking a shower and coffee. Would a shower and coffee? If I loved myself, I say this to the single women who are dating out there, would I, would I, would I date this man? Would, if I loved myself, would I not get, give my body the sleep that it needs? So we can look at our behaviors And for the most part, some people have great behaviors, but then they fall off the wagon when the stress gets too high. And that's when the wound comes out. That's when the core beliefs start showing their ugly face, when you know the stress overwhelms the positivity in our lives. And then the negative self-care comes in, or self-destruction, if you will. And that's how you can figure out how much you love yourself.
1: Sure, sure. That makes a lot of sense, because the different degrees to which you will like you say, feed yourself or care for yourself or react to that stress will start to appear. You have a statement in the book that says the antidote to stress and fear is love and that the love response is built on these premises. So what is the love response?
2: Well, as I stated before, physiology just means when multiple processes are happening in the body at the same time. And your physiology can either be negative or it can be positive. We vibrate in two vibrations. One vibration is is fear and the other one's love. Love is been biologically wired in our body to help us mitigate that fear, as I stated before. And when you're in a negative physiology, that means the fear response is taken over, and you can feel that very easily just by thinking about something that makes you fearful or angry or stressed. And you can notice the changes that happen in your body, the tension that happens in your chest or the quickening of your breath or just the general not feeling good. And then there's the physiology that is positive when, for instance, you're in a state of awe. You can think about something very quickly now about a state of awe, like looking at a beautiful sunset or watching a child walk for the first time or or something that just inspires you and makes you tingle all over. That's positive physiology. So the love response is the opposite of the fear response. So it's the feel good versus feeling badly.
1: And that's basically all it is. Let me ask one quick question because you said if I think about something that makes me feel good, is it an intellectual thing? Will it happen that quickly if I just think about something, or is there something else necessary that does have to occur?
2: No, it's it's all part. You remember everything's connected. You know we're we're these wires that are all connected together. Your emotions are connected to your thoughts, are connected to the physiology, which is connected to everything else. So when you think about a thought that is negative, it will then go into the memory bank and try to find a similar situation that it can reflect back to to understand it. So let's say you think about, you know, this person that has made you angry. Those emotions will come forward and memories of how it made you feel will come forward and the memories of every time in your past when you felt a similar way will come forward. So it becomes an experience. So, the whole physiological changes occur, and, like I said, you can just have a negative thought and pay attention to how your body reacts to the quickening of your breath or the tension in your muscles and you'll notice that everything starts climbing up, so everything is interconnected that's physiology when multiple processes are happening at the same time, in the same instance, you can think about something that made you happy, you know, just reflecting on that sunset, and all of a sudden, you know your body's changing, and you'll find yourself the heart opening up, your breath slowing down, and that's the physiological process.
1: And you also state in the book about the biochemistry of affection and how oxytocin is released in a stronger way and, and how this then also triggers a, a trail of events that's more positive for our health.
2: That's right. That's why I was saying that love is a biological force that coexists with stress because they're necessary for life. Without love, we wouldn't be monogamous. We wouldn't you know, protect our young and our, the survival of the species would be inhibited. Without love, we wouldn't be able to reproduce because labor is a very difficult thing. You know, I mean, I can't imagine anybody wanting to do it again if there wasn't something that they eased the pain and made it so pleasurable that you wanted to do it again. And that's what love does. With love and affection, you have a release of, of hormones and peptides like morphine, like substances and endorphins and this hormone called oxytocin that fly through your body and literally create high, that make you feel really good, that stimulate reward systems in your brain that make you want to do it over and over and over again, that release dopamine, that wonderful neurotransmitters that's in a lot of antidepressant drugs that help you feel good. And all of these substances are released so that it can mitigate the pain, that it can create an analgesic, if you will, so that we will want to do it again and be with that person again and have another baby again and want to stay in this very difficult life. Without love and without that pleasure of love, there would be no reason to want to be in this life.
1: And and the love response is what we need to activate inside of our own minds and hearts and allow it to influence us. I'm here with Dr. Eva Selhub, and she is the author of The Love Response, a prescription to turning off fear and anger and anxiety to achieve vibrant health and transform your life. Join us back in a few minutes as we speak more to her about The Love Response.
0: Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network.
3: Are you looking for Life's Balance? Look no further than 7th Wave Network. We're bringing you Life's Balance with Shaman M. Let Melody McBride take you on a unique listening experience. You'll explore the world of alternative health. Learn about the many facets of healing. Preventative lifestyles from children to seniors will be discussed on the show. Listen for Life's Balance with Shaman M. Broadcast live every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. It's the healthy side of life. Let peace and balance be yours.
0: And the results indicate your child has neuroblastoma. There's evidence of metastasis. Need to schedule a bone We'll need to perform a surgical urinary biopsy. VMA MyBG scan. After you hear your child has cancer, chances are you don't hear anything else. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CareSearch and the Ad Council.
2: Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network.
1: Dr. Eva Selhub adopts an integrated approach to health and well-being using both Western and Eastern mind and body techniques in her approach to healing disease and creating optimal health. She is featured in the 1111 Magazine July-August 2009 issue, and you can also connect to her on Twitter or on her website, theloveresponse.com. Dr. Eva, when you were going through your process and uh, getting out of depression and starting to learn how to love yourself, what were the first steps that you you took or how did you start to connect to the mind-body-spirit theories in relation to medicine?
2: Well, the first thing I did was started volunteering at the Mind-Body Medical Institute and started learning how to meditate and doing the cognitive restructuring techniques myself and, and also You know, referring my patients and learning from them and how they did from that. I started, you know, exercising more and meditating and taking care of doing the self care techniques for myself. And I started also understanding that, you know, spirituality and connecting to some larger divine process. So all of those things were helping me. But the thing that helped me the most, actually, was when my niece was born, and I write about this in the book, that I, I, I fell in love, you know, that experience of holding her in my arms when she was born and time just standing still. And every time that happened, when I held her or she was in my presence and I just fell into that state of awe and time stood still, I realized that it was impossible for time to stand still, so therefore I was still. And it was the moments of being with her that I realized that love actually put me into that meditative state. It created that stillness within me. And so that state of awe, that incredible state of love that happened to me when I was with her, was what showed me that it was possible to have that positive physiology just by being in that state of love. That's what really woke me up. And so I tried to discover ways that I could elicit that positive physiology in myself, that experience that I had with her, in everyday experiences. And I developed techniques and meditation exercises and verbal commands that I utilized on myself to, to see if I could create that physiology within myself. And I also discovered ways to create that in a life structure that I called the love pyramid, of creating a foundation of love in my life that would support me when I experienced stress that I call social love, self-love, and spiritual love, ways to access love in my everyday life That would create a foundation for me to be able to handle life. And so all of that was something that developed over time over, you know, the past ten years that I coined, you know, into practical exercises for myself, for my patients, and now for everybody in this book.
1: And, and there are definitely some wonderful exercises. I enjoyed myself going through and practicing many of the meditations and different exercises that you listed there. I'd like you to go a little bit more into the love pyramid because I think that many people, when they are in that state of hopelessness and depression, they don't know where to start and they don't really recognize that there there is love in other areas or there's a basis upon which they can build. So talk a little bit about the love pyramid.
2: Well, I think the first thing, I think what you're saying is extremely important and to note is that when we go into the fear response, we shut off and shut down. And we go into I am all alone. And literally your brain shuts off from the ability to connect to resources that would normally help you. And we feel oftentimes ashamed. And so the first thing to do is to ask for help. To reach out. And so the very base of our pyramid that teaches us that we're lovable as I described in my experience how I remembered or even learned that I was a lovable being was through the love I received from others. And then of course the love you give to others. So social love is the base of the pyramid where we learn that we are lovable is the love that is given and received to others and from others. So reaching out and connecting to those who are around you, and I talk about that in the book, if, you know, you may not have a great family but you can build a soul family you know, creating love circles where there's a, an equal giving and receiving from the people around you that can help you during tough times and you can help them during tough times so that ultimately you know you're never alone.
1: And so often we are born into families or we choose families if if, if one believes in creating our realities for the purpose of being able to go out and create a new family, a new love basis for ourselves, because otherwise we would kind of stay in the status quo or stay where we are and not really make any changes.
2: Right, or stay in a situation that we, in our core beliefs, might think we deserve. And we do deserve to be loved. We do deserve to have support. We deserve all those things. And when you understand that, it actually will happen. And as you make that happen, you can start understanding that. It's, you know, it's, it's sort of the, you know, it, we create a situation that helps us believe something and we believe something to help us create the situation. So it's sort of a positive effect that we can create in our lives and it will be the thing that helps support you during hard times. So we from, know that from social love,
1: from that basis of, of creating that net, where do we go?
2: So from social love, we can then understand that we're lovable. You know, that's how we're born. You know, you're not born with a sense of self, so you don't know who the self is. You, de- you de- The sense of self is dependent upon how other people treat you. So as we're building our social love, we start understanding that we are lovable. And again, we intentionally and consciously choose to love ourselves. So we ask ourselves, if I loved myself, would I? And we do things that are full of care. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, the word careful, it's very fear-based. It should be care-fearful. You know, when people say, be careful, it actually stimulates the stress response. So this is the actual be full of care for yourself. If I were to be full of care for myself, what would I do? And to make those choices that are full of care for us, ourselves, to appreciate what we have and what we are. So there's a lot of exercises that I will give in the book to, to help people do the, the being full of care for oneself and how to go about doing that and how to recognize when you're
1: not. Well, and just bringing about that one word, you know, that's so powerful because how many words do we use that really do have that, that fear or stress or response that's kind of the underlying subliminal message that we're giving out? So, so to really utilize our language and utilize who we're connecting to in okay. very conscious ways is highly important.
2: And what's best for me? You know, how can I be the best I can be? Well, this person is not helping me be the best I can be. I'm being self-destructive when I'm around this person. So maybe I can spend less time around this person or get myself prepared so that I don't lose my balance when I'm around this person. It's really about how everything makes you feel. Do I feel my best or do I feel my worst? And where do I want to be? And then ultimately, when I'm connected to other people and connected to myself, I'm able to connect to something much larger than myself. That's the, you know, the definition of spirituality is the profound sense that I belong to a larger whole. So ultimately, the thing that really can help me transcend you know, that suffering and transcend the pain is the connection to the love that is all around, the love of the universe, the love of the cosmos, the love of nature, and to know that I am indeed connected to something much larger than myself, and that's where spiritual love comes in.
1: That's, that's a, a wonderful way, the, pure, the love pyramid is just a wonderful way to acknowledge how we're growing and how much we need to connect more deeply to different areas that perhaps we're not connected to. Now, is that different than the love cushion you speak about?
2: Well, the love cushion is really about is is all these things, you know, is the love pyramid that is your cushion. It's sort of like, I like to think of it as... Um, you know, a reserve, a reserve account. I think I talk about that too in the book, that if I were to go out in the world, I would know that a lot of withdrawals would have to be taken out of my account. I'm going to experience a lot of stress. There is going to be negative days and negative people and negative things that happen in our lives. It's just life. But the bigger cushion that I have, the more I'm going to be able to handle it and and not lose my balance. It's, It's just basically having a really solid foundation so I don't get shaken up too much.
1: So we keep some love in escrow, so to speak. Exactly. Wonderful. Exactly. Wonderful. There's also another uh, acronym that you have, and it's called Learn Dig. Yes,
2: that's one of my favorites. Dig is it stands for dignity, integrity, and grace. And that's actually one of my favorite chapters. <laughs> the spiritual love chapters are my favorite. I still cry when I read them myself. Basically. I enjoyed that <laughs> very much. But um so dignity, integrity, and grace is essentially where the way we want to be treated, the way when we function from that space, we function from our highest self and for our highest good and for the highest good of others. So when you actually say those words, you will notice that your physiology will start mimicking you know, the intention and the beauty and the spirituality of those words, there are spiritual virtues, each and every one of those words, and your body will react in the same way. So by saying those words, you actually will be filling yourself up with dignity, integrity, and grace and allowing yourself to behave in that way, to act in that way, and to receive in that way.
1: Well, and it's it's very much like imprinting. Masaru Emoto, who wrote about the water and how you can imprint mm-hmm. water with certain words, exactly. with being 85% water, we we literally do imprint ourselves with whatever we are saying or speaking or believing. And so by having things like dig uh and con- consciously stating that to ourselves or remembering that, we we are definitely imprinting a higher vibration.
2: Exactly. That's exactly it. Exactly it. And, you know, it's not a bad thing to have negative thoughts and negative feelings. It's just that that's your fear or stress response talking to you. So acknowledge it, note it, and then heal it. And that's what this whole process.
1: There's another part of your process, too, that you mentioned quite a bit, and I thought it also was quite powerful, and that is the shield.
2: Yes. All of Chapter (laughs) 4.
1: Well, and, and you utilize that throughout the book, and that is something that I think so many people are deficient of uh, until they consciously learn that that's something that's necessary for them to to keep them safe and loved and protected and, and to stay in that place of wholeness that they truly are is to, to learn to not only create the shield, as you say, but to utilize that.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's a, it's one of the reason it has it's a chapter within itself and then utilized throughout the book is because it's so important. I mean, I think it's one thing to meditate um, and then go and then you're in life and then you you're not usually able to maintain your balance because life can get really hard. And it's another thing to maintain your balance and be in the meditative state while in life. And that's really what the shield is for. It's to be able to help people. Do shift that physiology right there on the spot. And it's a it's what it is, it's a mnemonic and it's a visualization that'll allow you to shift yourself, you know, with your own visualization techniques and your own breathing techniques to be able to shift it. So I can review it and each letter stands for something. That's you know as a mnemonic. So ask to slow down. And you help yourself slow down by doing the visualization of golden rays of light, as if the sun is shining down upon you. That shine down upon you and create a shield of love and grace that surrounds you, protects you, holds you, comforts you, like I guess a mom would hold a baby and just, you know, coddle you so that you can just relax and not have to be or do anything. And then honoring was extremely important. Honor the way you feel, that it's okay to feel the way you do, it's okay to be angry. Inhale and don't forget to exhale as we all hold our breaths when we get stressed and fearful. (laughs) And then listen. Listen to yourself. In what way a situation made me feel that I'm not enough or don't have enough resources? What is it that I need? And decide to give yourself just that. I need respect. I need to be held. I need love. I need a space to breathe. I need dignity, integrity, and grace. And that's when I give people all sorts of verbal commands to use for imprinting, to, for reprogramming that physiology to help you shift into the positive rather than
1: the negative. Well, and so often we do need to have some sort of practice or reminder, a a way to literally retrain ourselves, and the shield allows us to do that. We are here with Dr. Eva Selhub talking about her book, The Love Response, which is a powerful process to strengthen your natural ability to heal. Join us right back in a few minutes, and we will learn about meditation and the fish.
2: Awakened Media for a Transforming World.
1: Seventh Wave Network.
3: Just what is Skills USA?
1: Skills USA specifically prepares you for the workforce. Skills USA
3: empowers students to connect with a network of people. Skills USA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. Find out more on the web at skillsusa.org.
0: listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, one 472 5795 You may also send an email to info at com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran
1: Singh. A practical life healing program, the first of its kind. The Love Response is the result of Dr. Selhub's years of research and clinical practice on how to reverse the destructive physical effects of fear and stress and banish emotional wounds of the past through these very simple-to-use awareness, breathing, visualization, and verbal command exercises, you can activate the love response in your life and change your physiology and your experience of living. Again, a very, very powerful book. If you'd like to know more about book signings and appearances that Dr. Eva Selhub will be at, you can check her out on Twitter or at com. And there's an in-depth interview in the July-August edition of 1111 Magazine, and you can subscribe at 1111mag.com. One very uh, beautiful part of your book, I thought, was at the very end in the epilogue, you spoke about... Meeting someone being asked a question, and then having a meditation around that a little bit later, mm-hmm. and it involved a fish and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that it's what
2: actually one of my favorite parts, and it was in the beginning, but I moved it to the end. I wanted to save one of the best pieces for last, but you know for you know I think most of us on this path are also in search of you know what is enlightenment, what is self actualization and I never really quite got it you know there's so many processes that are so intellectual, but, you know, you can read all these higher consciousness books and most of them were going over my head and I just didn't get it. And I was really contemplating it on that walk. And I won't go into the actual circumstance of the walk, but when I was, you know, meditating, I, you know, I asked my higher self, I said, you know, what's, what's enlightenment, what's self-actualization and this interaction with this person on the street had sort of gotten me all revved up into questioning my identity, you know, being brought up Jewish, and am I Jewish? What am I? You know, who am I? What is it? You know, and the whole aspect of defining oneself according to external measures. You know, I'm a doctor, I'm a woman, I'm a Jew, I'm a this, I'm a that. Like, who really am I? And so in meditation, the answer was, you know, a fish, and I, you know, I said what? <laughs> and it's my the voice inside of me said a fish. And I mean, I won't swear on the radio, but it, it used you know some you know swear words in describing it. And and I said, what are you talking about? And it said, a fish is a fish. A fish doesn't question that it's a fish. It doesn't try to be human. It doesn't try to walk on land. It doesn't try to be something that it isn't or get upset with itself for not being what it is isn't. And a fish is a fish. And I said, oh, I get it.
1: Well, and you bring up a very valid point because I, I do believe that so many of us come in with our belief systems and we, we are taught so many things that become our belief systems and then we do forget the truth of who we are. We do forget our power or, or how loving we can be because we have to feel we have to abide by the rules of either either society or family upbringing or culture that we've come in from or just all of the aspirations that we've set ourselves up for, we now have to live by those rules. And so to break that down, to allow oneself to really disassemble this uh, sort of called mask or figure that we've had to really see that we're that and so much more, that also is part of learning to love oneself in a greater way.
2: Absolutely. And I think that comes back to what you had said before about, you know, having these breakdowns, you know, the self that has been created by the external means has to be at some point or will be at some point for most people broken down. And it does, you know, unfortunately oftentimes become a personal breakdown in one form or another and it it doesn't feel good. But it's oftentimes, I'm hoping for most people we can help them not have to do that, but oftentimes it's what creates, you know, who you know who you are. It helps you understand yourself because it gets rid of all the external stuff that, that doesn't really mean
0: much.
1: Well, and I think it's very important, and I hope all of the listeners will take a moment and really look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I loving myself enough? Do I love myself? And be all right to admit as honestly as you can what degree of love you think there is and allow that to change. And I urge you to go to theloveresponse.com and uh, order The Love Response by Dr. Eva and Let your journey begin or continue from where it is and allow yourself to really start to activate the physiological responses that love can bring into your life and and do for you. So I want to thank you, Dr. Eva, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. I'm thrilled to have you interviewed in 1111 Magazine in the July-August issue and just look forward to seeing you in an appearance at a book signing or television or where else we're going to see you and learning more about how we can love ourselves more deeply.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This has been a great interview. Thank you so much.
1: Sure, sure. I think that it's very necessary that we all take a very deep look at ourselves and decide what we want to consciously create. And the first place to start in conscious creation is to allow ourselves to know that we can first work on ourselves. We can first take the steps to be powerful within our own being. I appreciate you joining me today on 1111 Talk Radio and hope that you will join me next week when my guests are Ken and Renee Kaiser, experts on relationships and the astrological influences that can be impacted and be the guidance system as well to learning more about ourselves, who we are, and how we can live powerfully. I look forward to seeing you and speaking to you next week.
0: Thank you for stepping into the doorway of conscious choice with 1111 Talk Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network.